Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Nakama Podcast. I'm your host, Cruz, and this week is going to be a little bit special and a little bit different because, well, uh, I'm the only one here. Peralta is currently out because of work. We had a guest that unfortunately fell through at the last minute, and Sal is currently out at some sort of fan meetup trying to get pre-sale tickets for the Rebelde Tour. To all of our Hispanic listeners over the age of 25, you know exactly what that is. And yes, Sal is a huge fan. But since it's just me this week, I figured that I would take the opportunity to go over a little bit more of what's going to be happening on the technical side of the podcast, since I'm the one that handles all that stuff. Given that we're at the start of a new year, I figured I would give you guys the opportunity to kind of see what we're planning for the next year. Uh, Some of it is stuff we are going to do, some of it is stuff we want to do, and some of it is sort of more blue sky thinking, things that, you know, if... They did happen, would be amazing, but uh, we're not exactly expecting them to happen. So as far as things that we definitely want done this year, things that you can 100% expect from this podcast, we are going to be continuing doing a Patreon exclusive show. So if you're not on the Patreon, I would recommend getting on there. Not only do we have longer episodes that are uncut, you guys get to hear all of the stuff that happens outside of the podcast. We also give you guys that episode earlier and we're going to be having a new show up there. So check that out. We do also have a handful of industry professionals lined up for interviews down the line. Some of these are definitely people that you've heard of before. Some of them are not going to be people that you've heard before. And honestly, those are the ones that I'm the most excited for. I like hearing about the people involved in the things that I love that I may not already know about. We're also currently gathering a bunch of equipment because one of the big things we're going to be doing this year is we're going to start doing remotes. Basically, we're going to be taking our recording equipment and camera equipment out and partnering with brands and businesses in the area, businesses out of the area. We're going to be covering conventions and stuff. So you're going to be able to see things that we love to do and we'll find a way to tie it into anime somehow. These will likely be longer videos uploaded to our YouTube. Uh, Our YouTube is also at Nakamapod. So you guys can find us pretty easily there or I'll just pop a link in the description. Now, what we're trying to get done for the show this year is we did do two of them last year and we're hoping we can get more this year. Panels at conventions. We normally go to Fanime and we normally go to Crunchyroll. We're definitely going to Fanime. I've already got my ticket. Ideally, we can get a panel there. And while we have a huge list of things that we want to talk about, if you guys want to suggest some things that you guys would like to hear from us, feel free. The easiest place to do that would be Instagram. We're always on there. Sal's always on there. He's always managing that. That is the easiest way to contact us. If you want to hear something from us at one of those conventions, definitely drop a line. And if you want to see us doing more things at these conventions, get in contact with them. Just use their contact forms for, you know, Fanimate, Crunchyroll. Those are the ones that we normally go to. And just say, you know what? We love this podcast. We want to see some more stuff from it. Do something with them. And, you know, hopefully they'll bring us out for those. Those are always fun to do. And whether or not we get press badges, we will be covering them regardless. We did get press badges last year. I hope we can get them again this year because it does provide us a little bit more access, not just to locations, but also people. And a lot of the people that work at these things, at Fanime, at Crunchyroll, that I've talked to in the past, they're they're an amazing staff and they're incredibly helpful in that regard. So hopefully we can do that. I haven't put that in the we will do section purely because it's it's entirely out of our hands whether or not we can do it but I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be able to do it so hopefully that is something we can do and this year we're going to be doing things a little bit differently so we're going to be giving you live coverage of what we can obviously panels and things like that we're prohibited from doing things like that but things around the show floor things outside events that are happening I know that there's game bars in San Jose where both of these events take place that tend to do things it'll be 
be a fun weekend for both of those. Fanime is going to be this May 26th through the 29th. Hopefully, we can get some interviews and, and some more content around those days. Maybe not before Fanime, but definitely afterwards. In fact, one thing I have that is in my blue sky, because I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm at least going to give it a shot, is I would love to be able to get in contact with somebody from Fanime or Crunchyroll who will be willing to let us interview them on the podcast about what it's like to set up, what it's like to host, and what it's like to take down one of these big events, because Fanime and Crunchyroll are both huge. If I can get in contact with them to allow us, if in fact, if we can do interviews with both of them, obviously having more information about this is not going to be worse for us, but there's just so much about the minutia of everything that I'm personally really interested in, and I know that because I'm interested in that really niche aspect of it. A lot of you guys have to be interested in that as well. For my own personal edification, I think that just seems like a really good place to go to. And if anybody at Fanime or Crunchyroll is listening to this, hit us up and just, just let us know if we can get that going. I personally know I have a lot of questions. I've got a lot of questions to ask, but you know, if anybody uh, hears this, please reach out. We would love to have you on the show to talk about all that stuff because I'm sure there's a lot in there that the general public just doesn't know. And I'm sure they would have an even greater appreciation for what you guys do if they did know. Now that Fanime has announced when their convention is this year, Crunchyroll actually did too. It's going to be August 4th through the 6th, and we're going to be at that one as well. Tickets for that one have not gone on sale, but I do the whole email reminder. I just let my phone blow up like six different times about announcements between either convention. We love bringing that stuff to you guys. We didn't get to do as much of it last year since we're trying to plan everything out ahead of time instead of at the last minute. We are going to have a lot more planned for you guys coming out of both those conventions, both for the folks who are going so they know what to do ahead of time and the folks who wanted to go but couldn't make it. If we can get interviews with people that work there, if we can get interviews with people who are going there, cosplayers, artists, things like that, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that you guys are as informed about these things as you can possibly be. Now, other things that we want to do is we definitely want to do some live shows this year. Now, we want to, whether or not we will is a completely different thing. Both me and Sal work a lot. Being able to plan these things out, given that me, Sal, and Peralta are not on the same schedule. Trying to figure out a way that we all can get together in one space is going to be harder to do. It's the reason why I can't say we will, because, again, there's an element of things that are out of our control. If we can get away with just doing a live show at either of these conventions, that would be the best case scenario. If we can get a panel there and just do live shows, interact with you guys, you guys can come, you guys can ask us whatever you want to. It doesn't even have to be about the topic we're talking about. You know, you're more than welcome to contribute to the conversation. We did a couple of live shows with you guys last year. The first one didn't go so hot. That's on me. We kind of went in a little bit blind. Second one went off really well. And I, I loved hearing from you guys. I loved hearing about what you guys liked, what you guys didn't like, where you guys agreed with us, where you guys didn't agree with us. That's probably the thing I enjoyed the most was hearing about other people's perspectives on the topic that we were talking about at the time, which was uh, forced romance in anime. It was a great experience. Definitely want to get one more. If we can do those at those shows, that'd be great. If not, then... It'll be harder, but we will try to do something. Now, as far as live shows go, we also want to do the other kind of live shows, which is this. Exactly what I'm doing right now. Recording. But 
live. More than likely, it'll appear as a Patreon tier versus just going out live to everybody. Normally when we record, we record for anywhere between an hour and a half to two and a half hours. And what we try to get out to you guys every week is anywhere between an hour and an hour and a half. But we are going to be trying to do some live shows. It all does kind of depend on whether or not it is a good enough product for you guys, if we feel it's a good enough product. We're going to try live streaming a couple times. Those are not going to go to the Patreon. Those are just going to go live for everybody. But if we have, you know, any connection issues or audio or video problems that can't be remedied that easily or at all, obviously we're not going to deliver a subpar product to you guys. If we're aware that it's a subpar product ahead of time, that, that just wouldn't be fair to you guys. So that's the only reason why that's a want and not a will, because I can't control Wi-Fi uh, any better than anybody else can. And unfortunately, the studio that we operate in right now doesn't even have uh, a hookup for broadband. We we can't just plug it in and, and broadcast that way because there's no actual connection at all. So it has to be Wi-Fi. If we can figure out a way to get that working for you guys, we will get that working for you guys. We will start doing those shows. It'll be great being able to talk to you guys as we are talking to each other, having you guys uh, contribute to the conversation as we're having it, just like we did with those live shows last year. If we can do that, we're going to do it. But I can guarantee we're going to do a couple tests. Whether or not it is the quality uh, that we are comfortable with is a completely different story. Now, another thing that we do want to do is we do want to try to collaborate with other people in the same space as us. The nature of our show being, yeah, we're a review show, but we also discuss a lot of things sort of in the community of anime and manga, uh, sort of in the zeitgeist. There's no reason why we can't talk to other people. Other people who are doing other shows are not competition. They're potential collaborators. They're potential friends of the show. And I would just love to be able to reach out to more people who are doing similar content to us, uh, whether it is in the same lane or whether it's an uh, adjacent one and just build a bigger, stronger community around this show. That would be amazing. Uh, I would love to meet other people who are in the same space as us, who are uh, talking to you guys about the same things. So if you guys have other shows that you guys listen to that are even remotely associated with anime and manga, let us know. We'd love to be able to reach out to them, say, hey, you know what? Our listener is also your listener. Let's collaborate on some stuff here. You know, whether it's video or audio, whether we just have them on the podcast or whatever, we want to see that. We want that to happen it would be such a great opportunity for, I think, the both the both of us. Now, the more blue sky stuff, stuff that isn't likely to happen this year, but if it did, it would be amazing, would be uh, getting like a proper, proper studio because right now the area that we are in, it's, it's perfectly fine. It's serviceable. It does okay, but it's too small for us to really record anything of any value. I hesitate to use the word value because, you know, that's not quite what I'm trying to say, but it's just, it's too small for us to fit in a decent amount of lighting or anything more than one camera. It's pretty restrictive of an environment. So Blue Sky, if we could get a studio at some point that is a little bit bigger or that even is just a designated recording space, that would be amazing. I'm not counting it for this year, hopefully at least by next year, but soon another thing that we would want to do, but again, for the same reason I was just saying, is video content. I would love to be able to do regular video content. Both me and Sal are constantly talking to each other about, well, we should do this, we should do this, we should do this, we should do this. The problem is, 
one, we oftentimes don't have the space. We've done a couple videos and those are in spaces that are provided to us by the people that we're working with, not our own. So while we still can do those things, we can still buy studio space for a day, hire some people to help us record, do all that stuff. It isn't as spontaneous of a decision as we would be able to make, you know, if we had our own space. If we had our own space, then Sal coming up to me and saying, hey, Cruz, I had this idea, or me going up to him and saying, hey, Sal, I had this idea. It would be as easy as, fuck it, we'll get together this weekend, let's do it. Uh, right now, we can't quite do that, so regular video content isn't something that I can promise you guys. I just, I want you guys to know that we are thinking about it. It is something we've considered. It's just a matter of restriction right now. We're definitely gonna be getting into doing more in sort of the TikTok space, doing short videos, discussions, talking about stuff like that. But as far as like actual, like a production, we want it. We want it so bad. Whether or not we're really going to be able to do it on a regular schedule is not something we can promise. Like I was saying earlier, we do have some remotes we already have planned for this year. So we will be doing some, but they're going to be a bit spaced out. You're going to get some and then some time without them and then some and then some time without them. Where I think in an ideal world, they're coming out, you know, maybe once a week, once every two weeks. That's not quite in the cards for us right now. I mean, obviously we would also like to do brand sponsorships, that makes the whole thing way more affordable. If someone else is paying for our equipment or our assistance with handling these things or whatever space we're trying to use, that's the best case scenario. So, you know, if we had people from, you know, uh, uh, Crunchyroll or or High Dive or Netflix, whatever, saying, hey, we'll pay you to do this video that's an integration with this thing we're releasing, that would be the best case scenario for us. I think that would be the best case scenario for you guys, too, because oftentimes sponsorships also throw in something for the viewers. But for now, uh, again, that's a little bit more blue sky things that we're, we're not 100% certain on, but we're definitely gonna be trying. Now, we're gonna be moving on to the actual point of this show, which is the reviews. So this week, we took a look at Lupin Zero, we took a look at Akiba Maid War, and then also Love Flops. All of them are high dive animes, so if you have high dive, you can watch all of them right now. Sal did not give me any reviews for them. I don't actually think he watched any of them. Again, he's he's out doing a thing, so I don't fault him for that. Peralta did. She did send me her stuff, so at the very least, I've got that. And though Peralta gave it to me in her own order, I'm gonna go in what the order that I personally think is appropriate, which was my least favorite to my favorite. So starting with my least favorite one, Love Flops. Love Flops was a, a show that I had a lot of potential that I, I feel like it's maybe not utilizing all that well. So it's a romantic comedy. It's super pervy. It's about a kid. It takes place in like a near future. There's like robots and like transparent iPads and shit. It's nuts. But it's this kid who he's watching like a fortune teller on TV who says, hey, you kid, you specifically, because you have this birthday, all this amazing shit's going to happen to you today. There's a, a staircase involved. There's like a book involved, blah, 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 blah. You're going to have a great day. And instead, he proceeds to have the worst day that he's ever had. He's bumping into new students to his school. He doesn't know that they're new students yet. He's just randomly bumping into women and sort of landing in the most perverted way that can happen. A girl flies down a staircase on accident and lands crotch first into his face. A woman on the train sort of falls asleep on him. And then a whole scenario happens where he accidentally winds up touching the boobs. It's sort of that stuff. It's just a lot of like, oh, I accidentally ran into this girl and then groped them, but that wasn't my fault because that's the way the universe made it happen. And I'm not too big of a fan of that. Like this is, don't get me wrong, 
the kind of perverted stuff, I'm not necessarily like against it. It's just, it doesn't feel like this one did it all that well. Uh, there's even a scene where there's a little boy who is getting molested by a dog and uh, our main character does nothing about it and winds up being molested by the same dog. And it's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable to watch. The show is, other than like the perverted aspect of it, it is actually really well produced. The animation is beautiful. The actual shot composition is great. The voice acting is really good. Even like the music placement, really good. For all intents and purposes, this is an incredibly well produced anime. It's just so concerned with going from like panty shot to boob shot to panty shot to boob shot to the main character's like hot teacher cornering him in an alley and trying to make out with them. Like it's just, it's just uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable and it's weird to watch. And it's not like I don't know who it's for. I know exactly who it's for. It's just not for me. So I, I hesitate to necessarily say that it's bad because it's incredibly well produced and it knows exactly what it is. It's just not my cup of tea. So personally, I would kind of give the whole thing, I don't know, like a five, probably a five. No, I feel like I'm not, I feel, my distaste for like the subject of the show is definitely biasing me against it. I think if you're someone who's into this kind of show, this like production wise is probably like a nine out of 10 for you. Just personally speaking, all it really did was make me uncomfortable the whole way through. So I can't, I can't recommend it to really anybody. I know we always joke anytime that we find something that's like mildly perverted. Both me and Sal will joke like, oh, we recommend this to that cousin. Genuinely, I don't even think he'd like it. I don't. I can't can't I hesitate to like recommend it to anybody that isn't in animation if you are somebody who is in animation and like interested in animation this is actually not a bad thing to watch because it's really well animated I just ah oh god it made me so uncomfortable I picked the animes this week so I can't even blame anybody I saw it on high dive I saw like the picture looked really pretty and and then I started watching it and it like almost immediately it hit me with some uncomfortable stuff and it kind of didn't let up for the whole three episodes so yeah uh, oh, one thing I will say though, one thing I genuinely really loved, I mentioned that it's like a new f near future thing. They do a really good job of demonstrating that. Like everything is just kind of a step ahead of where we are currently. Like there's no flying cars, it's not all cyberpunky, but they have robots. They kind of look like those like mall security robots that we already have, except some of them have a face uh, and they kind of talk to you, but like they talk to you in the same way that if you were to like use chat GPT or something like that, or those, uh, that rep replica thingy that's always on mobile apps like that's what they sound like they sound like something that like is feasibly possible right now you could just i'm sure there's a way that you could put one of those ais in a fucking mall robot and then you have the robots that are shown in the series and then like you have yeah you have like a an ipad that is a hologram but i also don't think that's out of the realm of possibility now because we also have those like hologram keyboards they're not anything that i think I know anybody who owns one. They seem way too expensive really for what they're worth and they're definitely really gimmicky, but I suppose the technology isn't necessarily out of the realm of possibility. So they do a really good job of demonstrating like, I don't know, like an understanding of where we might be in 10 years, but that's about the only thing that I really liked about it that wasn't art. But uh, don't take my word for it. Here's what Peralta had to say. Clearly a pervy show instantly. Asahi Kashiwagi, worst cursed luck ever. 
The school itself looks cool. The plot goes with potential bride slash male bride, and it's just a desperate free-for-all. Interesting way to see if there is some compatibility. Some taboo things, teacher and student, male and male. Uh, how will we all live in this house together is sort of the story, and also who will Asahi pick. It's a 6 out of 10, but the pervy part isn't something I'm too keen on. I'm honestly surprised that she didn't rail into the uh, pervy part more, because, I mean, normally she's super duper against it. She says 6 out of 10. I would personally say 5. But again, if you're somebody who's into this kind of stuff, you're probably really going to like it. Uh, the next one that we watched is Akiba Maid War, which is one that I had actually already started watching on my own because I wasn't certain that we were actually going to get around to it. But that one is, uh, it takes place, well, initially it takes place sort of in like the late 80s, but there's a little bit of a time skip to, I think, 1999. And basically, it involves Japanese mafia groups using maid cafes as a cover for all of the really fucked up stuff they do. And it's awesome. When I heard the like name Akiba Made War, I figured it was going to be a lot like, I don't know, a lot more sort of pervy. It isn't at all. I saw an MA sticker on this thing and my brain went, okay, there's maids, maids at anime. They always kind of do a thing. No, 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 no. This one is heavy violence though. You see, or at least what you assume is just like some, you know, like poor little normal maid lady just get shot up in an alley within the first like three minutes. And that sets the tone for the rest of the show. The story involves two girls who start at a maid cafe that's in like some sort of like back alley area in Akiba. And they're almost immediately sucked into all of the really, really messed up stuff that's going on. Our main, main character is a girl who's just always wanted to be a maid. She's fairly young. I don't remember if it tells you how old she is, but I, I would imagine she's probably either still a teenager or, or like literally just became an adult, but she has this sort of exaggerated idea of what a maid in a maid cafe is like. And so she goes in with a really positive attitude. And the other girl is some, I think she's like mid thirties or late thirties who has done other things before. You're not really told exactly what initially, but it definitely seems like maybe she's closer in tone to the crime side than she is into the maid side but her trying to learn how to be a maid as well and then immediately being thrown into the situation where they they find out the maid cafe isn't making enough money to pay its debts and this uh loan shark is sort of twisting their arm into doing a lot of work for him to even out the bill. The first encounter they have is with a set of bunny girl maids at a different maid cafe, and that ends with our new but older maid uh, shooting another woman in the head, and that was pretty intense. They do a really good job, tonally, of, of putting you into the spot. This is not, like, for as heavy violence as this thing is, it is not necessarily making you feel like it's a good thing. Like, it's definitely cool, but it's also not a situation I think anybody would ever want to be in. And I think that's the the reason for the new girl, our, our like actual main character's character is, I think she's supposed to be you. You know, you sign up for a new job, you think it's going to be pretty comfortable, and then people start dropping left and right. I think you'd be a little freaked out. And they do a good job of demonstrating that aspect of it in the show. And it's just this like roller coaster of shootouts and drama and little bits of comedy and little bits of like a, a positive spirit in there somewhere. You can definitely feel the vibe that a lot of these maid girls maybe did just sign up to be maids and, and that's really all they want out of this situation. But 
unfortunately, they're being strong-armed into doing some really criminal stuff, and it goes off the rails almost immediately, but in exactly the way that I think it needed to. I think if you're a fan of things like uh, like the John Wick movies or anything high action like that, you would definitely find something in here to like. Personally, I would say it's right up my alley. It's exactly right up my alley. I'd give this one an 8 out of 10. Now, what Peralta's thoughts were, uh, Akiba Maid War, opening scene, death of the Maid Chief, instant revenge mode, the scribble face maid is funny and weird, Nagomi really wants to be a maid, but the show is about underground maid gangs, Renko clearly kicks ass, don't know the purpose, but it is a new side of understanding these maid cafes, it's a 6 out of 10, I think she picked up on some of the stuff that I was saying as well, Nagomi is the new one who really wants to be just a regular maid, and then Ronko is the one who clearly has some uh, skeletons in her closet that she didn't bring out right when she started the job. Now, for the final one that we did, it was Lupin Zero, which is one that I've actually been looking forward to for a while because I am a huge fan of the Lupin the Third series. And as soon as I saw the trailer for this one, seeing how they kept to an art style that feels genuine to the era that it takes place in, because I believe the show takes place in like the 1950s, because I think the first Lupin the Third took place in the 1960s, and this is when he's a teenager, so I think it's the 1950s. But since I gave my thoughts first for the last two i'll let peralta give her thoughts for this one first so she says interesting animation has that scooby-doo vibe from the beginning of mischief he's a puppet thief jigen and lupin are total bffs jigen is more intriguing because he plays the mysterious person but clearly wants to be a kid in some moments saves girls and then goes into a mission to be the heir of the thieving pimp grandpa this isn't a show i would normally gravitate to it's a five out of ten for me it had some interesting plots Okay, yeah, no, to, to expand sort of on what she's talking about. So if you haven't seen anything about Lupin the Third, one, where have you been? Two, it involves the grandson of Arsene Lupin, which is like a famous French character who is a thief. And he actually does make an appearance in the show in, I believe, the third episode. Arsene Lupin is supposed to be, he was at the time supposed to be like the world's greatest thief. And so the Lupin the Third series follows his grandson, who has sort of followed in the family footsteps, although is maybe a little bit less of a dick, a lot more cunning, but definitely a lot less nefarious. He's clearly just in it for the fun. There are multiple times where he steals something, not because it has inherent value to him, but just because he knows it has inherent value to somebody else and he wants to screw that person over. And it's just a, a the Lupin the Third series is just a fun ride and personally i think that this show really just sort of keeps the momentum going uh jigen would be his friend ish uh they they are friends in the general series but in this one they definitely don't start off that way they start off very confrontational in fact the first i hesitate to call it a mission but outing i guess that they are both on they aren't necessarily together initially the first one involves a woman who's like an opera singer being sort of strong-armed by a bunch of yakuza thugs over some objects that uh, either she promised them for some money or they promised her for some money. I honestly forgot about that part because that part's really not that important. What's more important is Lupin is trying to help her get away from them and Jigen is sort of along for the ride. He's not with them, but he's definitely not with Lupin and he seems to treat Lupin initially like uh, an obstacle. He treats Lupin like he's just a spoiled rich brat out for a little bit of fun when Jigen is someone who himself has to do this to survive. He's uh, not quite in the same situation as Lupin and he resents him for that. But over the course of that episode, as Lupin's ideas sort of get them closer and closer and closer to rescuing this woman, he sort of realizes that this guy is maybe not as bad as he thought he was, but they're 
also still not friends yet. And the second outing they have involving them on a train trying to once again steal back something. They're actually on opposing teams. Jigen is stealing it for a group that he believes is good. And Lupin finds out they are not in fact good and goes against him. Uh, and they have a little bit of a showdown in the middle of it before once again sort of joining forces. That is their MO throughout the series. This happens a lot, but it's it's just so fun to watch them together. And it's so fun, like Peralta was saying, to see Jigen in those moments where all he wants to do is be a kid because he's a kid. And you see moments where he sees Lupin or he sees other people and he almost has like these moments of wanting that he can't necessarily express because, well, he's he's not as privileged as they are. He has to do this. And it can be a little bit sad at times because of that. But overall... Their characterization is just amazing. They really do keep the consistency there. If you saw the recent 3D animated Lupin movie, it's pretty much in the same tone. The third episode involves Lupin being invited by his grandfather to a challenge with three other people, I believe. The The idea being Lupin's grandfather is on his deathbed and he needs to figure out who's sort of going to carry on the image of Lupin. And he tells his grandson, if you win this, you will be recognized as Lupin. Lupin the third, and you will get my entire fortune. So Lupin sort of signs up almost immediately and then goes through a huge trial where uh, he's almost killed every step of the way. And then, of course, it being the series that it is, his grandfather is just a dick and was just trying to get them to uh, give over something of theirs that is very much of high value to Lupin, our scene Lupin. But, of course, it's revealed that that Lupin the third already knew about this before he signed up. And it's a lot of the episodes are really pretty predictable a lot of the stories generally are but the ride along the way is always so entertaining to see like how they're gonna get out of this cartoonishly erratic scenario personally i thought it was amazing i'm a big loop on fan though so maybe that is just giving me some sort of bias but i'm gonna keep watching this one i'm gonna give this one like a straight 10 out of 10 if you've never watched lupin before be wary it is not a show for kids it looks like it is occasionally people die there is nudity i wouldn't necessarily necessarily say it's like a hard r personally you know a teenager watching it whatever but if you're watching it with like children children maybe switch to a different show that being said amazing i love it and i highly recommend it to anybody out there who's into like action comedy stuff if you're in an older generation and you haven't watched loop in the third but you've watched things like uh say get smart the man from uncle this is in that tone check that out it's just fun it's just if you took like a mission impossible scenario and you said yes but what if ethan hunt is a dumbass that's this show and it's amazing Highly recommend it. But that is going to be it for the episode. I do believe we are not going to be here next week. It's sort of a mid-season, or not mid-season, uh, end of season transition period. Uh, Sal will be coming back. So this should be the only episode that has me in it only. So so good for you. Remember to rate and review the show. Check us out on Patreon at Nakamapod. Check us out on Instagram and TikTok, also at Nakamapod. And check out our website, Nakamapod.com. I have some new articles up there that I put up myself. I like to write things, so they're there. That being said, I'll see you guys next time. Bye.